0: you are awful
1: we good? Good morning, Destiny. How's everybody doing? Oh, I know I got, caught you off guard. Come on. How's everybody doing in the house? Come on. Let's get excited about Jesus this morning. Come on. Everybody tuning in online. Come on. We love you guys. We thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor. Share this link. Get it out there. Take that Facebook. Share it. Get it to somebody. Let them know that the Holy Spirit wants to show up right where they're at this morning. We love you guys. We thank you for tuning in. But look, we're getting ready to just have a wonderful time this morning. The Holy Spirit's ready to come on in this place. It's going to be powerful. So what I'm going to ask you to do is we stand together here in the sanctuary. I'm going to ask you to get ready to worship at home because we're going to get ready to worship here. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump right into worship. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good, so powerful, so wonderful, God. We, we, we usher you in this morning. Come on, Holy Spirit, breathe on us this morning, Father God. We want more of you in this house, more of you in the homes across America, Father God. We want more of you in this city, in this nation, in this world. We love you, Lord. We love you, we love you, we love you. And, Father, we just welcome you in this morning. So, come on, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way right now, Father God. We submit it all to you. We give it all to you, and we lift you up this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody's. Amen and amen. Come on, let's get excited and let's worship this morning.
2: our government that's the kingdom we are a citizen of it doesn't matter what the culture's doing we do not bow and I could not help but think about just the, the Hebrew children and they were being told like forced like you must bow or you're gonna die and they stood in the midst of everyone else bowing can you imagine how hard that was to stay standing like no cause our God's with us and oh like, that would have been pretty scary. But they knew even if, just like we know, even if we die, there's no fear of death. Like, thank you, Lord, we're with Jesus. So who even cares? We don't have to fear death. And they knew that if they would just stand, that God would be their defense. And guess what? What? They did throw them into imminent death, right? The, the flaming furnace, the burning furnace. And who delivered them? The God they knew would deliver them. The God they knew would defend them and fight for them if they would just stand in the midst of all of the pressure it demands. That's what we're supposed to do in this day and age right now. There's a mandate for the children of God to stand like those Hebrew children, to stand up in the midst of imminent death even and stand knowing God will defend us. So we are to rise and shine and not bow. We are not to bow. So we're going to sing this one more time and I just want you to imagine standing just like they did. We're going to rise and
3: shine.
4: daily it is a weapon of warfare that will overcome any obstacle in your life when it comes down to your health now let me read the scripture to you this is what it says i'm in first corinthians i'm in first corinthians 10 16 through 17 and it says is the cup of blessing which we bless at the lord's supper not a sharing in the blood of christ indeed it is is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Indeed, it is, since there is one bread, we believers who are many are united into one body, for we all partake in the in one bread which represents the body of Christ. So this is what he's saying. He's saying that you have co you're commingling the bread and the blood with your body. In your blood and what it does is th- this he says if let me, let me back it up just a little bit he says those that don't discern the body and the blood of jesus die early right well what he's saying is discernment means to understand what the what the spiritual meaning means what it really means to take the Lord's Supper. And what he's saying is, is that when you take it and you understand the power behind it, you understand that when Jesus died, he resurrected and he got up with a new body. He got up healed. He got up as an overcomer. So when you take this, you get up as an overcomer. It is healing. It is medicine. It is powerful in your body. So I'm going to bless this. And I want you, anybody that is sick, anybody that has an illness, anybody that has, I don't care what it is, I don't care if you got a pulled muscle, this is healing unto your body. This is restoration unto your body. So Father, right now. I bless right now the bread, Father, that represents the the body of Jesus, the resurrected body of Jesus. And because he got up, Father, I decree and declare that we all got up in the name of Jesus. So bless this bread right now in the name of Jesus. You may partake of the bread. Now this blood thing is powerful. This blood thing really is a weapon of warfare. This blood thing really does cover a multitude of sins. This blood thing does redeem, heals, restores. So, Father, bless this juice that represents the blood of Jesus and let it empower our bodies to prosper spiritually, mentally, physically father I thank you right now for what Jesus spilled on our behalf and it's in Jesus name I pray amen you may partake
1: Different if you want a different result in in your presence, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes you just have to make room for it. And that's what we're doing right now. Come on, let's just make room for the Holy Spirit to move right now. Uh, Sometimes you just have to lift your hands, sometimes you just have to praise Him. Sometimes you just have to surrender whatever's in your heart. The fear, the worry about worshiping the one, the only, the God. Sometimes you just have to lift your hands and say, Lord, only you God. Only you God.
5: Only you will my girlfriend.
1: about any of that and sometimes you just have to release it to God you just have to say Lord I just need you more than I need approval from everybody around me you just say God I need you more I need you more I need your breath in my lungs I need you to breathe into us every single day I need you in our family I need you in this city God We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We just need more of you, Lord. We can't do it without you. Father, we are poor in spirit. We are bankrupt to the world, Father God. We want more of you. Oh, come on. God, we just love you, God. Right now, Father God, we declare that healing over our bodies. Right now, as we cry out, as you cry out, the Holy Spirit's pouring into you, and He's healing the broken wounds, the the, the anger, the issues. Come on, He's repairing it right now. If you just release it and give it to Him, come on, Holy.
3: Lord.
1: Yes, Lord. yes, Lord. Oh, come on, Father. Yes, Lord. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord. And we cry out to you this morning. Come on, Father. Breathe on us this morning, God. We give you everything this morning, God. We surrender to you. Have your way, God.
5: Come on.
1: Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, Father. We give you all the praise. All the honor.
5: All the glory
1: mighty name, come on,
5: can we get loud in here, y'all, no, let's get excited in here,
3: come on, let's give them what a king deserves this morning, yes, Lord,
1: Woo. come on, holy, thank you, God, yes, it's a good morning, it's a good morning, come on, you tuning in online, thank you for tuning in, look, y'all, I'm just excited about what God wants to do, it is so good, Man, God, is so good if you just release it to Him, if you just surrender it to Him. So, look, as we transition, do me a favor, find somebody you don't know. Give them a a fake high five, a a kind of a hug, whatever you got to do. Say hello to somebody you don't know. Come on, welcome them to Destiny Church. We'll be right back. What's up, brother? Hey, good morning, Destiny. How's everybody doing? Come on. Hey, we can get louder than that. Come on. How's everybody doing this morning? And it is so good to see everybody. I'm so fired up that everybody's here. I'm so thankful everybody's tuning in online. Look, I'm DJ along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church. Come on. Are you guys excited about what God's doing in the house? Come on. It is so good. It is so good. So do me a favor, online audience, thank you guys for tuning in. Share this link. Get it out there. It's not too late. Get the link out there. I know that the Holy Spirit wants to move. He wants to do something amazing. We've got an amazing word for you today. But the people you know that we don't know can't get it unless you share it. So go ahead. Share this link. Get it out there. I love what the Bible says in Matthew eighteen twenty. It says, for where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. So look, you don't have to be here this morning, but wherever you're at, the Holy Spirit's gonna move right there, so come on, I'm just excited to see what God wants to do. Now look, as we go through this this morning, if there's prayer, if you need prayer, look, if you're online and you need prayer, we have a bunch of prayer numbers out there, they'll put that up on the screen for you, take a picture of that. We have prayer team members standing by, waiting to receive a call from you, or a text from you, whatever it might be, let us pray for you, let us do whatever we can uh, to, to help you through whatever time you're going through because that's what we're here for so contact our prayer team hey and here's another thing if you're our guest here if you're a first-time guest fill out a connect card our ushers will have a connect card for you if you didn't get one they have them at the big wooden desk in the foyer it's called our our connection point Uh, we have these cards for you we want you to fill that out just let us know you were here so that we can reach out to you and thank you for showing up this morning a couple announcements right now so so you know our uh, our weekday services are open are open. What that means is that Monday night at six o'clock, if you show up right here, we do worship and we pray. So it's our prayer night. We want everybody to show up as we continue to cover our city, uh, we continue to cover our nation and this world as we continue to just pray for our crosses. If you if you hadn't looked around the sanctuary, we have a prayer cross over here. What that means, if you have a prayer and you have a, a just a mustard seed of faith, go ahead and write that prayer staple it and nail it, get it up on that cross so that we can continue to pray as a church over whatever your needs are. And then guess what? When that prayer is answered, here's what we want you to do. Take the prayer off from the prayer cross, go put it on the miracle cross over there. So I want to start seeing the prayer cross. The prayer cross smaller, and 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 the miracle cross a lot bigger. I want more miracles than we do prayers. So come on, we believe in that. We believe that that can happen. But we want to pray for you. So when you get a moment before you leave today, if you have a prayer request, everything's over there. Fill it out, throw it up on the cross, so we can we can pray for you. And then Fat Tuesday, come on out on Tuesday, Fat Tuesday at six p.m. right here. That's our midweek service. Come on, uh, it's really cool. come out prayer, healing, and teaching. Fat Tuesday. So uh, Pastor Daisy will be in here and just doing a phenomenal. Uh, job every single Tuesday. So, man, we're excited about that. So that's our midweek service. Uh, also, our Destiny Kids Ministry, 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Come on, Mama Lowe in the back. <laughs> I'll tell you, I love when you're in here, Mama Lowe. She's so excited all the time. Look, 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. Drop your kids off. Uh, drop them off here. Drop your students off. Uh, student ministry is happening right in the sanctuary uh, at 6 p.m. Once again, Pastor Kevin and Crystal, where are you at? There's, there's Pastor Crystal over there. Where's Kevin? Kevin was on the drums. He's hiding somewhere. I don't know where he went. But, man, we're just excited for you guys. Look, our small groups, if you're waiting for the small groups to kick off, they're going to kick off in late August. But what that means is that if you're interested in hosting a group, if you're interested in leading a group, we need to know. So let Connection Point know. You can email the small group leaders at smallgroups@destinychurch.al at destinychurch.al, like Alabama. So destinychurch.al. So just email our small groups leaders. Let us know. Uh, There's training that goes into that. We try to build your graphics, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of work that goes into uh, the small groups behind the scenes. So let us know if that's something you want to do. Uh, Now, I am really excited about this because we have our 21 days of prayer and fast coming up. Who's excited about that? Look. Every time we go as a church and we enter in a corporate prayer and fast together, man, God shows up in a mighty, mighty way. And it's going to be no different this time. So I'm excited August 2nd through the 22nd, August 2nd through the 22nd, which means on the 22nd, we're still praying and fasting. That's a Saturday, okay? So you can you can you can do all the rest of the stuff on Sunday when you come in. But the second through the twenty second, I'm excited because we're going to be coming together corporately as a church, and we're going to be praying for our country. We're going to be praying for racial reconciliation. We're going to be praying for healing over our land, over this world. I just believe that's where God's leading us right now. You know, we've had tons of prayers throughout our twenty one days of prayer and fast, and how He wants us to do things. But this time, it's specific. It is time to cover our body. It's time to cover this land and this nation and this world. And We're going to team up with many other churches, and we're going to go at it, okay? We're going to go at it, and we're going to give it all we have. So we're going to start our prayer and fast uh, on the the second. So start preparing yourself. Start deciding what it is. And that's just our corporate fast. So you can be fasting for anything you want. You can be praying for anything you want. But as a team, we're coming together. And we're not going to – we usually meet on Saturday morning during this. We're not doing that this time. We're actually going to meet on Monday night at 6 o'clock. We already have a prayer schedule set up. Monday's at 6, so here's the thing. I want you to show up here Monday at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and we're going to do our corporate praying at that point, okay, at that point. Reason being is I want you here anyway, okay, because we want to pray together. There's strength in numbers, guys, where two or three are gathered. We're going to pray together. We're going to do what we need to do to cover everything we need to cover. So I'm excited about that. Who's excited about that? Come on. (laughs) We love it, I, it and if, you, if you've never done a fast, I plan on covering some more about that next week, really talking about that a little bit more, uh, but there are all kinds of fasts out there. You can Google some stuff, uh, but it's just a great way for us to come together as a church uh, and just do what we're supposed to do. Um, now, I do have another good announcement coming up, our back-to-school outreach. Who's excited about back-to-school? Come on. Look, the kids are in here. Y'all should be excited going back to school. Uh, parents are excited. <laughs> Teachers are excited. But I <laughs> I do understand that, that some back to school means it's homeschool. Some back to school means kids aren't going anywhere. All right? So every year we get together as a church, and we go out and we do an outreach. And what that means is we try to go out and we try to bless. Uh, we try to bless the community in any way we can to help offset the cost of that, whatever that looks like. We've done everything from – um, sponsoring all the teachers in the, in the schools, and we brought them in here and did a service for them, blessed them with school supplies. We've done that. We've done backpacks for kids. Uh, last year we went down to Walmart and handed out, like, were they $5 gift cards? And we were just blessing people as they walked into Walmart and just said, "Here, have a gift card. Go buy some, buy some supplies. Um, so this year is going to be a little different. Okay, this year is going to be just a little bit different. This year um, we are, we are going to allow you to be the blessing. OK, and what I mean by that is this. One of our core values here is that that we have open hearts and open hands, open hearts. we we open our hearts up to the community. We care about everybody and we have open hands, which means we love to give. And some of you have never experienced what that giving looks like. But if you go to Genesis 12:2, it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Okay, so we are called in here to be a blessing to the community, to the state, in any way, shape we can. Acts 20, 35 says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, so how does that involve you? Everybody here today, you guys are going to be our blessing. You guys are going to do it for us. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I have... Uh, we have a packet It looks like this. It has a come and see card in it. That come and see card is an invite for people to come to church. If you flip it over, there is also a gift card in there. That's a $20 gift card to Walmart. Every person in here, you're going to get a gift card and you're going to get a come and see card. What I want you to do with this is I want you to bless somebody. I want you to experience what it's like. To bless somebody, to feel the blessing, because I'm telling you, it is blessed to be a blessing. It really is. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to have the ushers come around. They're going to hand out these cards. If you don't want one, raise your hand, and they'll skip over you. But I want all the kids to get one. I don't care if you have a family of 20. Each person in the family gets one. Okay, and the goal is this. The goal is to go out there and bless people. Okay, bless people. You know a whole lot more people than we know. Okay, so you're going to know the people that show up on your heart. You're going to know the people that are that already on your heart as we're talking about this that need this blessing, that, that need to understand what it's like to have God bless them. There's people right now praying for a way that they're going to be able to do what they need to do this school season, and you get to be part of that. Now, this is just the beginning. You can do whatever you want. God might put it on your heart that that you, you need to bless them even more than this. Okay, and that's God working on your heart. That's, that's you giving the offering, that's you being a blessing, okay, so, but that's totally up to you, and that's up between you and God, whatever it is, and Pastor Daisy says she's taking donations, no, (laughs) No, but either way, guys, we love you, we want to, we want to take this to the next level, Um, we want to make sure that as a church, we get out there. So everybody online, I'm sorry you're not here. We wanted to make this available to you. Uh, but whatever we have left over, if you want to call the church, we'll, we'll find a way to get you some gift cards so you can get out there and bless people. We just know that God's ready to do something amazing. So you get to be part of that. And, and our prayer right now is the fact that when you give, that God starts moving something in your heart. He starts changing your heart, softening your heart to say, you know what, we need to give more. We need to bless more. We need to do more in our community, do more in our state because that's what it's about. So let me pray over this real quick. We prayed over them this morning before service started, but I'm going to pray over these real quick. Uh, and as I'm praying, you know, we're, we're just going to let God move and, and see what he does uh, in our hearts this morning. So, Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good. Father, we thank you that we've been blessed enough to be a blessing, God. We thank you, Lord, that we get to go out and spread your name and your word, Father God. Father we just ask you right now as as all these gift cards and all all these blessings go out Father God that, that Father you reach people that we don't e- we can't even think of right now Father God that that Father, you do abundantly more than we could ever do ourselves, Father. So, so, Father, we ask that you put us in contact with the right people, Lord. Uh, Father, you, you make these situations happen, God. We just surrender it all to you, whatever that may be. And, Father, right now, I just lift up this message to you this morning, Father. God, I ask you to speak to me, Lord. Father, fill up my heart with a word. Father, make it all you, none of me, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, y'all excited about that? Come on, that should be good. Here you go, babe. So I don't knock that off. Everybody got a card, right? Is everybody good? Ushers are still back there. Is everybody good? All right. Awesome. So, hey, welcome to Destiny. Uh, we are in a third week of our series called the B-Attitude Adjustment. The B-Attitude Adjustment. Every, you know, the more I focus on the B-Attitudes, the more I realize, wow, I'm a little messed up. I need to get a whole lot better in my walk, and I need to do a whole lot more than what I'm currently doing so the beatitude adjustment means that that as you read the beatitudes we got to make adjustments in our life we can't become lazy in our walk with christ we can't be so comfortable in how we move and what we do that we just sit back and go you know what this has just been the normal for so long i wake up on sunday and go to church you know i might pull out my bible once a week uh, but man i'm just comfortable in that and and i believe god's blessing us and we're really good and god's saying no i want to stir up something new i want you to get moving even more we should be Chasing him more and more each and every day. Each and every day we should get hungrier and hungrier for more of him. So that's what this is all about. So beatitude adjustment. Uh, and I love uh, just how he's working on me because, man, it is hard. I get, I get so caught up uh, when I start reading this and I start going, wow, Lord, why do you always make me preach on stuff that is just working on my heart? And maybe that's a good thing. Um, that's a good thing. So uh, this week we're going into uh, Matthew uh, uh, last week, let's just talk, let's, let me, let me recap a little bit, um, so two weeks, three weeks ago, we started this with our poor in spirit, if you remember that one, that one's online, make sure you check that uh, that one out, because that is the foundation for what we're doing, um, that is the foundation being poor in spirit, we talked about that being bankrupt in the spirit, which means you can't Uh, You can't do it on your own when you say, you know what, Lord, it's all you, none of me. That's the start of this whole thing. That's the foundation. We build on that once you realize that you can't do it yourself. And then last week we picked it up with Matthew three where we said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. They will be comforted. We last week we talked about personal mourning, which is loss of someone or something. Uh, But we also talked about social mourning, which is huge right now, which is the sins of the world. So do you actually mourn the sins of the world? And when we talk about this fast and coming into this fast, that's what we're praying for. We're praying that God come down and we start removing the sins of the world. We're praying for the world. We're praying for unity. okay? because of the sins. So when's the last time? And we talked about that last week. When's the last time you actually found yourself praying and weeping over the sins of the world? And then there's spiritual mourning. We talked about that, which is an intrinsic, an internal uh, mourning over your personal sins. Okay, but that's the walk. That's the walk we're talking about. And it starts with the poor in spirit. Then it's mourning over sin, mourning over what's going on in your life, mourning over the world. And that leads us right into our next beatitude because these are roadmaps. Like this is a roadmap. So as you go, in other words, there's little, I don't know, I can, I can relate it better to an airplane. When you're flying an airplane, we put in all the coordinates and we have waypoints along the way, which means they're just little points as you fly that, that they direct you right to it. And when you hit it, it's really good for autopilot if you want to know how planes fly. That's how they fly on autopilot. They put in a coordinates and it just moves to the next, the, the next spot. But either way, a roadmap is the same way. You can't jump. You just can't skip and go to the next one that you like. You've got to follow this the whole way. You, have to, you can't just, you know, skip over anything. So that's what it is. They build upon each other. And when they build upon each other and we build upon it, when we do one and then build upon it and do the next, what it does, it makes us more like God, right? It makes us submit to him. It makes us seek him in everything that we do. That's the purpose of the Beatitudes. It's it's, it's just a process, right? Understanding the Beatitudes is a process to be more like Jesus. I'm going to jump right into the word, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. I'm going to read through all of them. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. And it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are you when people insult you, persecute, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that's the Beatitudes. That's what we call the start of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what we're going to be covering throughout the weeks to kind of break this down and give us a better understanding of where God wants us to begin and where he wants us to end and to continue flowing in this pattern. And they are building blocks. So today we're going to focus on the third beatitude, Matthew 5, 5. And it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In the Passion Translation, it says, what blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. So, when we talk about meekness and gentleness, it's the same thing. So, a lot of times we get caught up when you hear the term meek, you think of somebody weak and they can't do anything. That's not meek. That's the way I was raised. Meek meant, oh, you're so fragile and, and we, you can't do anything. That's not the meaning of meek in the Bible. Meek means gentleness, meek means gentle at heart. Okay? Meekness doesn't mean weakness doesn't mean weakness let me give you a better uh, examples uh, a wild stallion okay a wild stallion everybody ever watched the movie black beauty i think that was a wild stallion right and they have to go capture these horses well when you get a wild horse guess what it's strong it's powerful okay it is a very strong animal and you can't do anything with a wild horse it does what it wants when it wants to and if you try to get on it it's going to buck you off So they they do what they call break it. They break the horse. And what they do is they, they bridle it, they put a bit in its mouth, and they control it. And they say it sometimes it takes up to 60 days to break a horse, to get it under control so that somebody can ride it. Up to 60 days to be able to ride a horse from being wild to where it is. Now when you're riding that horse, that horse didn't lose any strength. That horse didn't change one bit other than the fact it's under control. That's it. That's it. So, so all the horse did was what? Harnessed its power, okay? So it was gentleness. It was power under control. So a tamed horse, a horse that is bridled, a horse that has a bit, is just power under control. And that's what meekness and gentleness is in the Bible. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you have power under control. Does everybody understand that? It's under control, under control of the Holy Spirit if you let him guide you and steer you. They just need, you just need to know how to use it, but it has the exact same power. Here's what I love about that. If you take a wild horse and uh, uh, what's one of the horse races? Come on, someone help me here. Kentucky Derby. How would I know that's from Kentucky? There you go. Kentucky Derby from the lady from Kentucky. <laughs> All right, Kentucky Derby. Think about this. If you took a wild stallion and you threw it in the Kentucky Derby with nobody on it and said run, that horse will not win. It has no control has no clue where the end is it has no clue where the start is it can't even finish the race but see god has a race marked out for us and if we allow him to bridle us to harness us to steer us he has a race that he wants us to win in our lives if we just submit to him and allow him to steer us and guide us see a wild horse is just as strong as the other horses but has no chance to win because he's doing it on his own he's running wild running free all right so gentleness and meekness is power under control Gentleness means also that that you stay calm under pressure. You can stay calm under pressure. And this goes back. I'm a movie guy. I love war movies. Uh, We Were Soldiers. Anybody seen We Were Soldiers? Come on. What a good movie. So Calm Under Pressure, the first thing that popped in my head was the sergeant major. When they land and they get off the helicopters, they're on the LZ, the landing zone, and they're sitting there, and everybody's taking cover. And the Viet Cong are shooting out of the, the woods, and the sergeant major's just walking around telling people what to do. There's bullets, bombs blowing up. He's not flinching. He's just calm under pressure see gentleness and meekness means you can be calm under the pressures of the world means you can be calm in what's going on right now because of who's you are and who you are we can be calm under the pressure it's called quiet strength you ever met somebody with quiet strength I love being in meetings with people that have quiet strength like they know they can do anything but they're just quiet and they just listen you know when I think of quiet strength I think of my daughter Cass she's in the back somewhere I don't even know if she's listening. Oh, she's back over there. Okay, she's a black belt in Taekwondo, right? And I've seen her in action. It's scary. (laughs) It's scary, but she wouldn't tell you that. She wouldn't do that. She's under control, and she can walk into any situation with the confidence knowing that I could do what I want to do if I needed to do it. So it's strength under control. She's not some wild stallion out there just kicking people and mowing people down. But I know that she has that ability, and she knows she has that ability. So when you have gentleness and, and meekness in your, in your life, and you fall under the control of the Holy Spirit, you know you have power under control. See, here's another thing. Meek, meek. they do not fret or retaliate. To fret means that, that to make rough, to agitate, to disturb. If you're meek, you're not disturbing things. You're not agitating things, right? Psalms 37, 8. It says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. See, stay away from the anger. Stay away from retaliating. Stay away from fretting because it leads to evil. It gives a spot. It gives a, a, a grip for, for the enemy to come in and start taking you. That's what happens. That's what happens when you, when you release it. Now, it doesn't mean that when you're meek and, and gentle, you don't feel anger. Because it's a feeling, it's real. It's real. You, you can feel anger, but it, what do you do with that feeling? You need to harness it, you need to bridle it, you need to be under control. And here's the thing, when you're meek uh, and gentle, you have what we call emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. What that means is that, is that you don't allow your emotions to steer you, to control you. You have an emotional intelligence. I think about it this way, though. Even with the meek and gentle, it means you can stand up for the truth, and you can stand up for what's right, right? It doesn't mean you back down to all that stuff. If something's not right, you stand up for it. But there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. You stand up when it's necessary, and you do it with carefully chosen words. You do it with impeccable timing, right, rather than blurting out your emotions. That's where that emotional intelligence comes in. Because it's easy to just blurt out, trust me. I, you know, think about getting cut off on a highway. There's an emotion. You want to say something, right? But you got to learn to harness that and say, this is not the time. It's not the time. My family's in the car. It's not, <laughs> it's not the time. But here's the thing. They're very careful when they do it. See, the meek place themselves under God's authority and God's control. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, he'll guide you. He'll tell you what's right because you're an obedient servant to him. You surrender to him. Allow him to tell you what's the right way to deal with it, the right way to handle it. What I love about meek people, too, is that meek people seek help. If they need help, they ask for it. And they ask questions and ask for help. They're willing to be vulnerable. They're willing to be vulnerable when you're weak, when you're or when you're meek and gentle, you're willing to be vulnerable. What that means is that you're real. You know, there's a lot of real people out here and it's okay to be real and it's okay to be vulnerable. That's why we have small groups. When I talk about small groups, it puts you in a a smaller setting of people where you can start building a relationship. You can start growing in relationship with other people. Then you start trusting them. That's part of it. When you trust people, then guess what you can do? You can start opening up a little bit. And you can start going, you know what, I'm, having a str- I'm struggling in this area. I need some help in this area. And what happens when you do that, that vulnerability, because you're meek and you're gentle, allows them to pour into you. It allows the Holy Spirit to pour into you. And when that happens, guess what? Vice versa, it shows people that you're real. And it opens up an avenue of communication for other people to come to you. To allow God to work through you to help somebody else. Even though you think. That you're going through something. See, we think we're going through something until you hear somebody else's story. And you're like, whoo, I'm really not going through it, but you are. And now I can start praying for you. But we've established a relationship because we're vulnerable. See, and the problem with that is the normal answer when you ask somebody how they're doing, they say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have too much pride. I, I'm, I'm concerned too much about what people are going to think to tell anybody that I'm not doing well, that I'm struggling, that my marriage is failing, that my kids are running crazy. Um, I have too much pride in that. Right? That's what happens. And, and, and this is what people think when, they, when you start talking about, people don't want to talk about their weaknesses because here's what they think. Well, what if people know? Well, what, what if the church knows? Well, what will they think of me? What if the church doesn't know? That's even worse, because when the church finds out, guess what? We can come together because we love you, and you're part of our family, and we can pour into you. Trust me, we got enough people in this church that have been through so many things in their life that we can all come together and help each other out. I mean, church is a family. That's what we're here for. But we won't know how we can help you if you don't tell us. Right? So meekness, gentleness is more of, of how you feel internally, too, as it is in how you express yourself and what you do. So what's the opposite of meekness? Arrogance. That's what it is. Hardiness. People people thinking they're superior. Thinking that, 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 that I'm so arrogant that I think that I can do it on my own, that I'd never struggle with anything, and I can walk around thinking I'm large and in charge. We saw that a lot in the military, in my military career. I've shared it before. Um, my first taste of any kind of leadership was in basic training in the military, and I was 17, right? And they put me in charge of, of, like, when everybody went to bed, I had to make sure nobody woke up <laughs> and nobody was doing anything they weren't supposed to do, so I would walk around looking like the Gerber baby with my head shaved and 17 with my flashlight screaming at people, you know, turn the light off, go to bed, and they would yell, shut up, Rambo. <laughs> it was my first taste of leadership. I thought, man, being leader means I'm in charge. you got to listen to me. Completely messed that up. Completely messed it up. I'm glad I learned throughout my military career that that wasn't how I was supposed to deal with things. Um, I didn't make a lot of friends in basic training. I'm just letting you all know. They didn't like me too much. They don't like me too much. So so why don't we show that meekness? Um, Another reason why is because people feel they're being taken advantage of. Right? They're being trampled on. Anybody ever feel that way? That, you know what, I try to help out, I continue to help out, but now it just feels like the same people, they're just taking advantage of me. right? Because I'm meek and I'm gentle and I'm trying to do the best I can and I'm trying to listen to God. But man, they just keep taking advantage of me. Well, listen to this, Matthew 5, 38 through 42, from the Passion. It says, your ancestors have also been taught Take an eye in exchange for an eye and a tooth in exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you on the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. And if someone is determined to sue you for a coat, give him the shirt off your back as a gift in return. And should people in authority take advantage of you, do more than what they demand. Learn to generously share what you have with those who ask for help. And don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. Guess what? You're going to be taken advantage of. We live in a world with people. (laughs) That's the key. People. And people will be people. But don't lose heart in that. It doesn't say when they take advantage of you, stop. It says don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. That whole, this whole verse, you know, it used to be an eye for an eye. I thought that growing up. You know, I didn't know Bible. I didn't know church growing up. But, but I was taught as a kid the strong survive. So if someone punches you, punch them back. Somebody steals from you, steal from them. It's just the way I was raised. But the Bible doesn't say that, right? Doesn't say that. It says, however, if you say, um, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. And I love this where it says, whoever insults you by slapping you, you know, slapping in the face back then when they wrote this was the most um, derogatory thing you could do to somebody. And he says, look, if they hit you on one side, turn the cheek. It's about being gentle, being meek. It doesn't mean that you're a pushover, right, because you're, you're trying to win their hearts. So you're trying to win their heart. That's the key. I want you to hang on to that because I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to come back to it especially the part where people in authority take advantage of you, do more than what they demand. You know what it does? When you do more than people demand, when you turn your cheek and take a hit, when when you do these things, when you don't complain when someone keeps coming at you, guess what it does? (laughs) It, It shuts down the people. Okay, it shuts down the violence. Because finally they go, I'm not getting any joy out of this. You know, some people do it because they get a joy out of it. And when you take the joy from them and you don't react and you don't respond, it can shut them down. It robs the oppressor of his ability to humiliate you. When you say, I can take it. You ever done that where somebody's all over you and you just kind of just be quiet. And all of a sudden they just stop for some reason because they're not getting any joy out of it anymore. Some people are just wired to get joy out of our misery. Like I said, it's okay if people take advantage of you. But remember, these are building blocks. So it starts with the poor in spirit, right? Then it starts with once you're poor in spirit and you depend upon God, then you start mourning over your sins because you want to be closer to him. Start mourning for the the nation and everything going on. Then what happens? Then it comes in, and now you get to start being gentle and meek at heart, which means now you understand what's going on, and now you've got to reach people. How do you reach people? So how do we apply gentleness and meekness to our life? Well, first off, it's in communication. Communication's the key. You know how easy it is not to be meek and gentle in communication? Happens all the time. We can offend people with our words. Words. I think there's a what was a statement as a kid like uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't believe in that. Words hurt. They're sharp. Proverbs 15:1 says, "Respond gently when you are confronted and you will diffuse the rage of another." Responding with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest of men? Man, your words hurt. Your words hurt. So when you're confronted, When you, when you respond gently, think about that in any situation you've seen escalated. And I know we've all been, some of us have been married and stuff. And there's never a chance for that in your marriage, for an escalation of, of words to hurt. But, <laughs> but think about that. When something starts stirring up, what happens when somebody gets upset and then the other one comes in and they're just even a little bit louder? Yep. And then the other one's got to get a little bit louder. And pretty soon the fuse is burning and burning and burning. And all of a sudden, boom. You have a, a a big altercation in the house and you can't settle it and all of a sudden it's stealing your sleep, it's stealing your peace. You gotta diffuse it. So when you come back gently, when you use gentle, kind words. It's all about that getting rid of that pride, right? Sometimes we just wanna stand up for what's right. I have a right. I have a right, because I'm, you know, as the husband of my house, I have the right. Well, yeah, I have the right to be kind and to be gentle with my words. Just as much as I have the right to say, things have to get done. That's how it is. And I love that that part where it says, "Don't you know that being angry can ruin the testimony of even the wisest things?" Do you know that that being a Christian, you don't have the right to respond that way. And that's a tough comment. Everybody, no, I'm a Christian, and I can. I'm still a Christian. I can respond any way I want. No. We fall under authority. We fall under authority. We need to fall in alignment with what's right. So you don't have a right. You can do what you want. But God says, I need you to respond gently. I need you to diffuse the matter. When it says you'll ruin your testimony, when you, when you just decide that in a normal situation that sometimes you just get loud or you get angry and that's how you respond to everything, no matter where you're at, and then people realize that you're a Christian. You know what you're know you know what you're doing? You're nullifying the point that, that the Holy Spirit can come in and change anything. They're like, if you're a Christian and this is how you act, I want nothing to do with it. You're doing exactly opposite of what, the, what God wants us to do. And you're responsible for it because that's how you act. I say you, but I can point it right back at me. <laughs> I know what that's like. I know how easy it is to get emotional, how easy it is to say something that you regret. See, our job is not to cause anybody else to stumble. So what are you doing that's causing people to stumble? How do you respond to things that cause other people to stumble? Because I'm telling you, for some people, you're the only Jesus they know. When you go to work, when you're out and about and people know you, and they know that you're a Christian and they know you go to church, sometimes they're looking for a little bit of light, just a little bit. They're trying to see something better than what's going on in the world. And when you stumble, when you fall, They're like, well, that's no better than what I already have. So we got to be very cautious. Think about social media. That's so bad right now. Social media is not a platform to vent all your frustrations. All it is is a place for you because you want to vent your frustrations because you want other people that are hurting just like you to agree with what you're saying. And that makes you feel a little bit better because I got the vent and there's out of all the thousands of people. Look, somebody agrees with me. Yes, I must have done something good. It's not for that. You know, people that they usually throw stuff out on social media. They might say it to you on social media, but chances are they don't want to say it to your face. They're not willing to do that. That's the safest place for them to do it. They'll hide behind that. They're just looking for an argument. So, are you going to give somebody the satisfaction of an argument? That's why when those things stir up, it's easier just to walk away from it. I don't need to respond. What do I get out of responding? Absolutely nothing. What do they get? The satisfaction of knowing they stirred you up and they want to make an example of you. That's why I love the unfollow and the block and all those other things. You don't even have to hear it anymore. I don't care. Look, if I don't know they're saying it, I don't care. Right, I don't care. Problem is, though, once it's out there, it stays out there. So if you respond in a negative way, it's out there. And who knows when you respond how many people go, ooh, ouch. I had a lot more respect for you when I thought you could handle these things. But all of a sudden, you respond in a negative way, and now people read it. You might wonder why people are going, I don't know. I I used to go to you for advice, but I just watched you do the same thing I do, and you're trying to give me advice. I'm not saying we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm just telling you that that's how it works. How are you in society? Not on social media. How are you out in the world? How do you treat people in the world? Here's the biggest one, and and I'm guilty of this. How are you with wearing a mask? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm going to get some laughs on that one. It is so hard, right? Because here's my thing. I have faith that God can heal me and God can protect me. But I also have to be kind and gentle enough to think about the people that don't have that faith. Okay, and they want to come to church and they want to know what it's like, but they don't have the faith we have. So they want to come in, but they're like, you're not wearing a mask. So now I'm fearful, but I can't even hear the word of God because I, I'm, I won't come in because I'm scared. See, Gentleness and meekness means that we put other people's feelings above our own, and I'm learning this because I'm telling you I am, I'm, I'm, fired up. I'm not wearing a mask, but we need to. And I also believe in following authority. You know, when they said shut the church down, we shut it down, All right? And now they said, hey, you need to wear a mask in church. So I, I put a message out yesterday, hey guys, uh, I'm you know strongly recommend you wear a mask. And for those wearing a mask, that's great. And I said I can't make you wear a mask. And they can't make us wear a mask. But I just want to do whatever's right. I want people to feel comfortable to come to church because they need to hear the word. And if us being prideful over the fact that we think that I'm, I'm good, but you don't know what everybody else thinks. You don't know what everybody else is thinking. So trust me, this thing is burning in me because I'm like, <laughs> I have faith. And I'm going to stand on my faith and I'm not going to get sick. But it's out there. So there is a virus, there really is. In fact, I have a, a a friend of ours that has a church in Clanton that is just shut down because of that because him and his wife. So I'm telling you, there is a virus, okay? But here's my thing. I'll tell you this, and I'll just be dead honest. If you have strep throat or you have the flu, don't come to church. I don't want that either. <laughs> All right? Somebody gave me who was it? I think it was a uh, Brandon guy came to me this week and we were talking, and he was like, why do you wear a gun and I'm like for safety he goes well that's why I wear a mask he goes how often do you shoot somebody or protect yourself I'm like haven't had to yet he goes good I'm wearing a mask (laughs) just in case and I was like dude you make things so simple sometimes I love people that can put in and I have to listen to people because I am man I'm strong-minded and I I believe in what I believe but at some point I've got to say all right Lord what do you want me to do what do you want to know what what do you want me to do God I have to listen to him So, yeah, so how does it apply um, meekness and gentleness in relationships? How do we apply it to our relationships? I kind of touched on some of this, but Ephesians 4.2, out of the Passion, says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Man, this is talking about your spouse. (laughs) This is talking about... Your kids. This is talking about um, if your boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're dating. This applies to all of it. Why? Because they're trying your patience. And it says we need to respond with tender humility and quiet patience. So in marriage, think about this. Um, well, first off, you know they call it a gentleman for a reason. The term gentleman. You used to hear that. I used to hear it as a kid. My grandmother would always say, "Be a gentleman." Open the door. Gentleman means a gentle man. It means you're going to take care of the other one, especially the female. You're going to be gentle and courteous. It's a gentleman, And then you have gentle women. You don't hear that a whole bunch, but you need to be gentle too. <laughs> it's not a free-for-all. Like the guy don't have to do it and the girl, you know, and it doesn't work that way. We all come together and we're gentle with each other. Because here's the thing, you see a lot of, uh, a lot of men that that aren't gentle, and, man, they want they want the perfect woman. Man, I want a, I want a female that's going to submit and do this and do this and all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, they don't want nothing to do with you. Because of who you are and how you act, you need to be gentle. You need to be a gentleman. And the same thing works the other way. A lot of ladies, man, I just want that guy. I want that guy that will pray for me. I want that guy that will open the door. I want that guy. and But they don't read the Bible themselves. <laughs> so you want someone to pray for you, you're not praying yourself. Right? So you've got to, do, look, if you want something like that, you, you pursue it the right way. Right? So gentleness pursues gentleness. So if you if you're trying to meet somebody, be gentle and then find the gentle person. Right? You want someone that can pray with you and worship with you, then pray and worship. And that's how you're going to bring this together. Kids, believe it or not, when you're dealing with your kids, they respond to gentleness. They respond better to gentleness. I understand. Look, I'm, I'm a firm dad. I believe what I believe. And I believe I have rules, and I believe they need to be met, and I believe that's how it's supposed to be. And I didn't grow up that way. I mean, I, well, I grew up, you know, go grab the switch. And I grew up with um, knowing that if I did wrong, then chances are I was, I was, I was going to feel it physically. Um, but your kids, they don't like to be screamed at. They don't respond well to that. Think about it. Do you like to be screamed at? But because of our emotions, we scream. Right? So, so what we're doing is we're trying to teach our kids to be gentle in the world and be kind in the world. But we're screaming at them. And we're yelling at them, and they're like, "Do you want me to do what you do or do you want me to do it right?" That's what they're saying. Do you want me to be like you or be like the Bible says I should be? So we got to be very careful. and look, I'm all about spankings, I'm all about all that stuff, and there's a time for that. But if that's your only way to deal with situations, then we got a problem. And I don't know if your kids are going to answer. I believe me. there's once you say it enough times, there's only certain things that's going to work. And I believe in all that. (laughs) So Colossians uh, 3.12, it says, You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God. Since you have been uh, divinely chosen to be holy, be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in the patience with others. It says be gentle and humble and unoffendable. That also applies to your kids. And it's okay to be gentle sometimes. In fact, I've learned throughout the years that that sometimes I get a better response when I can talk about something. I've Learned that throughout the years. It wasn't always that way, but I have learned that the more I talk, sometimes I can get a good result. But that's what it's like with your friends. Isn't it funny how you don't even think about this with your friends? Because when you're around your friends, what happens? You'll lose your patience with your friends. Um, you're, you're, um, maybe you joke around a little too much, and all of a sudden you'll say something that will offend them, but they won't tell you because they're your friends. But now they just kind of quit calling. They quit talking to you. Why? Because we get comfortable. We get comfortable with the people that are closest to us, right? Your family members, not your, your immediate family. I'm talking about your family members. Like, like I have family members in this area, right? And I'm the only part of God they know. So, so if I offend them and I walk away, they walk away, right? So I got to be careful on how I respond to things. I have to be gentle and use meekness when I talk to even my friends and my family because I'm concerned over them because I'm, what am I trying to do? I'm just trying to get them closer to Jesus. That's my goal on earth. I just want to show them what's right. But the closest ones are in the line of fire, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, it's easy to be stressed out, go through things at work, come back, and the closest ones to you seem to be the ones you hurt the most. And you love them more than anybody else, but you hurt them the most. How about unemployment? <laughs> How about your bosses or supervisors? Ever run into one of them that they use gentleness and meekness all the time? All right, the bosses are never right. They always ask you for your opinions all the time, you know. You know, those bosses, the good ones. (laughs) Right? We run into them. Guess what? It says we're supposed to be gentle and meek and do more because they're authority, right? We've already covered that in the previous verse. Do more than what they ask. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's out there. It's out there over authorities. Think of This is what it says in Titus 3. One and two, it says remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceful or peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle towards everyone. We have to be subject to the rulers and authorities. We don't have kings anymore and stuff, but the rules and rulers and authorities, these are people that are over you in any position of your life. From from your parents and your family to your job to your school says we have to respond that way we have to stay in alignment says we have to be that way to slander nobody i know we don't talk about our bosses (laughs) look i had it before i understand even if they treat you bad how about when you're in leadership How do you treat the people that are entrusted to you? How do you treat the people that God put underneath you for you to lead, for you to guide? Are you demanding or are you gentle? Because I tell you what, what I've learned throughout leadership, uh, 23 years in the military and then beyond, is that when I can explain things with kind, gentle words and still get my point across, it is so funny how more people are excited to get it done. More people want to do things when you can ask them and speak to them like they're like they're people (laughs) and not that they have to do what you tell them to do. And they respond better. They respond, you know, people honor and respect those who honor and respect them. So when we approach other people anywhere in society, honor and respect the people that you're speaking to. I think about it as coaches, because I tell you what, I coached high school football and man, we had some screaming coaches out there. And I remember my first year coaching with him. I heard some screaming going I'm like, man, I don't even know about this. I don't know if I can get into these boys like these guys are getting into them. So I would stand back because I didn't know a whole bunch anyway. You know, when you put it this way, when you're new to the, the high school coaching, they usually give you like special teams or <laughs> they gave me the freshmen. So I had the freshmen and I'm like, this is great, you know, but I'd watch these other coaches come in and scream with all this terminology and yelling at these kids and I would just sit in the back and I'd be like, Hey, come here. Do you understand anything he's saying? And they're like, no, sir. And I would just explain it to them in a gentle kind of way. Not that I didn't know what I was talking about, not that, but they need to understand. And guess what? Those boys, eh, they'd go into the fire for me. They would. They would, go, they would go to battle. Why? Because I cared enough to honor them. I didn't have to. I just did it because I knew how to communicate to them. So first, Peter 315 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, because all this stuff leads to the same thing. Whenever I'm communicating with somebody, whenever I'm out in the world and you should be the same way as a Christian, it should be. I have an opportunity to share the word, to share the gospel, to tell people how good Jesus is. Everything I do, I have that opportunity and everything. But it says we do it with gentleness and respect, not turn and burn, turn or burn, turn or burn. I'm not out there yelling at people to get saved. I'm going to go out and I'm going to share with them what God did in my life. It's hard to deny that. Anybody can say, well, the Bible's not real, but I can go out and say, guess what? What God did in my life, that's real, because I'm standing in front of you. I can be the example and go, if it wasn't for him, then what? Then what? It's all through gentleness and respect. And if you're looking at getting into ministry, let me help you here. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. And it says, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. So I can't. I can't be mean. (laughs) God told me so. He says, I can't quarrel. I can't argue. God says, I have to be gentle. Look, I struggle with that one all the time. (laughs) But I have to be. I have to be. That's what it says. I have to be kind to everybody. I can't argue. I need to set the example and instruct gently. You know, there's a difference between instructing gently and screaming at somebody. There's a difference between even instructing somebody and screaming at somebody. But there's so many examples in the Bible about gentle leadership. Um, and I'm going to share a couple of these because I think the two best leaders in the Bible were Moses and Jesus. Jesus. And Moses is considered a gentle leader, but he was also the one that killed somebody. So Some people go, "How can he be a gentle leader if he killed somebody because he's teachable because he's willing to learn and Moses became one of the greatest leaders, even though he killed somebody. Think about it all those times that um, he never got mad at Pharaoh. <laughs> think about it. all those times he went to deliver the plague I. Right. This is what God's going to do, release my people. Sure, I'll do it. Nope. And he goes back. All those times he could have been frustrated. All those times he could have got mad. But he didn't. But he didn't. I don't know how you would have responded in that, but once I get the the no a couple times, it's done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going back. Um, but if you look in Exodus 17, 3, three and 4, it says, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. So here he is. He just rescued them all from slavery. Everybody got them from slavery. Gets them out and they're going to find something to complain about. They're going to say, oh, you brought us out of slavery so that we can die of thirst, our whole family. Have you ever been there where where, oh, where, you've done everything you could and it's really good and there's one little thing that went wrong and somebody's going to identify that one little thing instead of thanking you for everything else. They're going to go, oh, that one little thing. You messed that up. Well, here, guess what? They do it. The one little thing, Water. <laughs> The one little thing, right? And you see where he complained to. He didn't go to them. He didn't attack them. He went to God. He went right to where he was supposed to go. You know, he could have quit. (laughs) That would have been a story in the Bible. Moses lived. (laughs) Next, who's God going to use now? That was it. He got mad and frustrated, walked away, left him in the desert. Then I think of Jesus, because Jesus was the second greatest leader, not the second in order. I'm just saying of the two I'm talking about, he's the second one I'm talking about. <laughs> want to get that straight. Jesus was the greatest leader. I'm just talking about him second. <laughs> I always think of Jesus like, like Hercules, and I've done this before, and I love it because when I grew up watching Hercules, it was great. By the power of grace, Grayskull, I have the power. That's like Jesus in my mind. Like, like, you guys ever watched that when you were a kid, the cartoon? Come on, it was so good. And he would turn and change from this gentle person into this Hercules or He-Man or whoever he was, He-Man. He-Man, I loved it. That's how it was. And that's how I think of Jesus sometimes as He-Man. He has the power. But he's got to call upon it. He doesn't call upon it. If you read through the Bible, he could have done it multiple times. But he doesn't. Matthew 26, 50 through 53. And this is where they're, you know, uh, he's being betrayed. And Judas is turning him over. And it says, Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. (laughs) Do what you came for, friend. Like he He knew. He already knew what was going on. Okay, you're turning me, and I see you. I already know what's going on, so so do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in place, Jesus said to him. This one's a little calm. Some of them have an exclamation point behind it, so I'm pretty sure he was a little stern with that. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. But you think I cannot call on on my father? and He will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. He had the right. He could have called on the power. He could have said, Father, I need your help. If he wanted to. 12 legions of angels. If you you research that, it's anywhere. Some things say between 3,000 and 8,000 angels in a legion. And this says, this said, he could have at my disposal more than 12 legions. So that's, I don't know, 10,000 to 60,000 angels standing by for Jesus to say, I need a little help. And angels aren't these little cute little things that fly around with little wings. People feared angels. In fact, when angels showed up on the scene, they'd say, they'd say, fear not. That's pretty powerful when you say, fear not, I'm here to help. But then if you actually go through and read about all the angels, the ones that could come in like the angel of death and wipe out complete armies. Like I think 165 or 85,000 people in one night by one angel. So I'm just giving you that example because Jesus had the capability to get out of anything. If he didn't like somebody, (laughs) he had that capability, but he didn't. He didn't. I mean, what did he tell Peter when he cut off the, the dude's ear? Right? He said, no more of this. No more of this. And then he put the, and healed the guy's ear. He didn't have to do that either. So Jesus was under control. Jesus was power under control. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do and when he was supposed to do it and why he was supposed to do it because he was under the authority of his father. So how do we get there? Because I think that's the biggest thing. I I can talk about this all day, and you can be like, okay, that's great. But I don't think that way. I don't feel that way. I don't act that way. So how do I get there? Let me give you just a few things to help you along the way where you can say, you know what? I can apply that to my life, and I'm going to get better at being gentle, better at being meek. Let me see here. Let me find them. Okay, the first one. First one, write this down, is to lower your expectations in people and raise your expectations in God. (laughs) Lower your expectations with people. People are people. Psalms 103.14 says, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So you are dust. People will be people. If you put all your trust in people, you're going to have a rude awakening. I think of it like this. If your financial portfolio has nothing but blockbuster in it, same thing. <laughs> You'll get that in a second. right? <laughs> right. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I'm not trusting everything I have with people. Absolutely not. Right? Here's the thing. When you lower your expectations in people, you don't get frustrated as bad. You don't get frustrated as much because I expect things. I, I want the best, and I believe in the best, but guess what? It's not going to get me completely upset when somebody acts like a person and doesn't do something. <laughs> I just lower my expectations a little bit. Second thing I want you to think about, find the good in the progress of others. Find the good in the progress of others in their walk, and their walk as Christians. Find the good in it. People grow at different rates. And just because some of us were, were you know, we, we, we went through this process and there's some people in here that's never started the process. There's some people that are further along. Find joy. Find 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 the good stuff in the progress of other people. Think about those things. I think about Christians like houses being built in a development. You walk into a house in a development, if it's the, the what do they call that, the, The model home. Thank you, Daisy. If it's the model home, you're like, this thing is beautiful. This is the greatest house ever. But you keep driving down the road, you're going to see a hole dug. You're going to see a foundation poured. You're going to see some walls going up on another house. And guess what? They don't look as good. They don't look as good at all. They don't even look like it's going to be the same house. But think about it. You can say, that's a good foundation. Hey, that's a phenomenal hole that's been dug. Because that's the step people are taking. Hey, that, that's, a, that's an awesome wall going up. You're building something. So you've got to find the good in the walk of everybody. got to find the good. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when you see people that are walking with Christ, think about those things. They might make mistakes. They might, not all be they might not be all there all the time. And they're going to make mistakes. But we don't have to worry about those things. Let's focus on the good and let's, let's tell them how good they're doing in the steps they need to be making. Number three, remember what God did for you. See, a lot of times we forget about that. Sometimes we forget where we came from. Sometimes we forget what God did in our lives, and we get so far past that, we forget that other people are going through the same thing. Never forget where you came from. You know, that's probably the best bit of advice that that that, that I can give people that are growing in leadership. Never forget where you came from. Everybody starts at the bottom. We've all been there. Never forget that. Second Peter one five through nine says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self control, and to your self control perseverance, and to your perseverance godliness, and to your godliness mutual affection, and to your mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Never forget what God got you out of. Never forget what he forgave you of.